0: You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, NCQA Communications Director Matt Brock. Exciting news to kick off the new year a groundbreaking program leading the way to close health disparities. We've talked about health equity accreditation, and we'll talk more about it again today. But there's more, and you might say it's a plus and a big one for healthcare's future. We'll be talking about it today with leaders from two different health equity accreditation plus pilot participants. It's a mouthful. Later on, we'll catch up with NCQA's education director and get you up to date on a world of learning opportunities. Think CE credits, everyone. But right now, we're joined by two dynamic folks working with two dynamic teams on our new health equity accreditation and health equity accreditation plus programs. As we've discussed here before, the Health Equity Accreditation and Health Equity Accreditation Plus programs work as a framework for organizations to prioritize and really attack those stubborn health equity gaps in care. The programs also set a level of accountability for the entire health organization to do better in identifying and resolving health disparities. Well, there's something really special about our guests today and their organizations. Both are participating in the Health Equity Accreditation Plus pilot program. But here's the really big deal. Both organizations are health systems, not the traditional NCQA customer and partner, but we do hope so for the future. Health plans are participating in the pilot as well, and we'll talk more about them uh, in the coming months but now there's a space for full health systems and our work for a more comprehensive plan of attack, you might say. They are Hennepin Health in the Minneapolis area and Novon Health in the Carolinas and Georgia. Both systems include numerous hospitals, practices and other outpatient services. Joining us is Senior Vice President and Chief Health Equity Officer, Dr. Cherie Gregory with Novant Health, uh, covering three states, a big system, and from Hennepin Health, Chief Health Equity Officer, Dr. Neka Sederstrom. You may recognize Dr. Sederstrom. She has spoken at Quality Talks. Uh, tickets are going on sale soon. Qualitytalks.org. Make sure you look. So Let's get started with, uh, with, with you, Dr. Sederstrom. Right. Why, why did you call us? Tell me about that.
1: So the the short story is uh, my husband is the clinical educator for Medica, which is an insurance company here in Minnesota. And he was working on with their health equity task force, looking at a new set of guidelines that were open for public comment. And they were trying to comment back on it. And he kept popping his head out of the office going, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And that doesn't sound right. And I was like, what is this that you're working on? He was like, NCQA has got some new guidelines that they opened up for public comment. And I was like, really? Is it everyone? (laughs) I don't know. And so, of course, I do my quick Google searching and I was like, wait, this isn't accreditation and equity. This is exactly the kind of thing that I want. I want my health system to have. It sets up a standard that I think all systems should follow with making sure that Equity is measured, addressed, and is an intentional process that the health systems work towards. And so then I was like, I know somebody at NCQA. I like the people at NCQA. Mm-hmm. I give them a call. Well,
0: we, we appreciate that call. and We obviously appreciate your participation in uh, health equity accreditation plus Hennepin's uh, uh, participation. Dr. Gregory, what interested you in this project?
2: So yes, Novant Health is a three-state not-for-profit health system with 1,800 physicians, 1,200 or so advanced practice providers. Uh, We've got 800 locations and and, and 15 hospitals. So um, we're pretty complex with lots of medical venues of care and community partnerships that are all aligned to try to advance health equity. And so as the chief health equity officer, I was actually looking for a way to just assess um, how we're doing with our strategies and where we are successful, and honestly, where we have opportunities to improve the work that we're doing to advance health equity. And I was in search of a way to really find a toolkit or a tool to be able to assess us internally. And a couple of years ago, I stumbled across the distinction in multicultural care, healthcare, and thought, wow, that really sounds like a great way for us to at least begin to have this conversation internally about the work that we did. And at the time, there weren't really entities like us that were being assessed with that tool. So when NCQA developed the Health Equity Accreditation Um, Like my colleague, I reached out to the NCQA to have a conversation about being able to leverage the expertise at NCQA and the tool to be able to assess eternally entities like ours. Um, So beyond health plans, what could we do as a health system to better understand what the things we have in place to, uh, we call it shared drivers for quality, safety and human experience. That's really what health equity um, has been for us. So how do we understand what we need to do next, uh, where we're being successful and where our opportunities are? And this was a real, the, our first conversation was an amazing one about, huh, this is a real opportunity for other entities to basically understand how health equity can be advanced. And it's been a conversation um, that's been ongoing since then. And really just glad to be a part of this process. One of the things that I'll say is that in many ways, the way the NCQA accreditation is designed, it really was aligned with our mission. And one of our core values is as diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so because there was this idea of organizational readiness around diversity, inclusion, and equity first as being really foundational to the work that then... Um, requires an ability to look at data, for instance. Without data, there can't be data-driven solutions. So I love the design of it and wanted to use the tool as a way to assess ourselves internally.
0: It seems to me, uh, Dr. Gregory, in 2020, a lot of folks, and and it sounds like you all uh, started maybe before then, but in 2020, a lot of health systems, a lot of providers, plans, all found themselves quickly becoming introspective about uh, equity and inclusion and diversity. Um, this, this will help those who haven't got, got started, so to speak, but it'll help you if you've already gotten started because it sounds like to me, Novant was on their way, but this perhaps added some structure.
2: Agreed. It's taken us um, a long time, actually, to lay this groundwork that we we have in place around um, having cultivated a culture of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, Here, we always say that this is not an initiative, that it really has been a culture change strategy. When the world was faced with COVID and many people for the first time began to see that there were healthcare disparities, um, people like us in the room have known for a long time. Um, that there are healthcare disparities and that there are uh, populations of people who are marginalized away from healthcare for many reasons. And um, we've been actively working at making sure that we identify where there are healthcare gaps and coming up with innovative solutions to be able to close those gaps. This work, I think, will help people who are already on the journey um, to understand how to improve and maybe even make more efficient um, the way to get there. And then for those that are just starting and don't have a real understanding of where to begin, it really does help lay the framework and the foundation for how to be sure that you have what you need to even begin to assess where there are problems that you would ultimately go on to address.
0: Dr. Cedarstrom, tell us about uh, the Hennepin journey and uh, the issue itself, uh, the inequity itself and how you've been addressing it and how NCQA can help.
1: Yeah, so um, many of the things that Dr. Gregory said rang true with us. Our, Our journey started a long time ago, mostly because we are the only safety net hospital in Minnesota. So as a result, the inequities are front and center for all of our staff all the time, because the population that we serve are the populations of people that are historically marginalized in general, but it's specifically in medicine as well. So the the problems have always been there and they've always been stuff that we wanted to work against, right? The, The people who come to work at Hennepin do so because they have this passion trying to work against the inequities and wanting to serve that population. What was the turning point for us, I believe, um, was when George Floyd was murdered and he was officially pronounced at our hospital. Um, And that impact to our community, the subsequent protest and civil unrest and uh, that happened as a result of that event led to more of a deliberate awakening and we have to do more. We can't just keep saying this is a problem and we know it and we see it every day, but it felt like we were more admiring than less actively engaging. Uh, And not just at a hospital system level, but also at a county level, um, the commitment to not doing any more data mining to just data sake, right? But doing it deliberately to create interventions of change, that became the focus and the drive from our county board down to our hospital board. And the creation of my, my job as the chief health equity officer came out of that. So I'm coming up on my one year anniversary on January 18th. Will be one year anniversary, and in this year, I have to say that um, it has been uh, probably the best year of a, of a career choice that I've had. Mostly because I stepped into an environment where I didn't have to convince anybody that this was the. Worst. It did not take any convincing. To say, this is the direction we need to be. We need to be at the table with NCQA to help with designing and developing. We've got 50 years of practice in addressing inequities and in populations. And unfortunately, Minnesota is one of the worst in the country when it comes to inequities. So we, have the popu- we don't have any other place to go but up. So in the opportunity that NCQA offers with using a tool to help organize a lot of the things that we already have been doing. We have a significant population health department that has done a lot of work already, but it's kind of fits and spurts, right? And it's a lot of silos. So this, um, this accreditation allows us to do like this global 360 look on all these various things that we've been doing or been trying to doing, or have started with community advocates and, you know, building and, and put it in a very strategic organized evaluation type plan. Uh, and that is why it was a no-brainer. I brought it to our CEO Jennifer DeCavellis, and I said, "This is the work that we need to do. This is also the work we promised the community that we would we were going to do," and she agreed.
0: It seems to me then that it would be very special to be a part of this uh, dozen or so organizations that are sort of finalizing um, and uh, and influencing what health equity accreditation will be in the end. Uh, Tell me about that opportunity for Hennepin and um, and how it feels personally for you and your folks, having gone through what you've gone through in Minneapolis.
1: Yes, it is. it, It feels a little bit like a gift to be able to be part of the the pilot and the beginning. It's their inner workings, mostly because The thing that I worried about the most when I decided to switch from being full-time clinical ethics into equity work was I was worried about it being just a rubber stamp title that didn't have any power and authority. There are a lot of places that have people with similar titles as mine that don't really have any authority. They just kind of get carted out when something bad happens to make a statement and then they, they kind of shove them back in, but they don't really put any intention behind it. So my worry about doing equity work intentionally was that people weren't going to see it as the work. They were going to see it as the work that is only done when the stars and moons align well and everybody's not sick and everything is happy and there's nothing else to do. So why don't we just do this nice thing called equity instead of truly understanding that the only thing that we can do in medicine, if we're going, if we are truly trying to provide the best care for everyone who comes through our doors is equity work. Like that is the only work that we're doing. So to be part of this initial pilot to help develop and design and work through whatever kinks we see along the way and as we you know, as it's built out makes me feel, and my team especially feel really honored to kind of show the rest of the country where we think we all should go because we feel really proud about our intentionality on this. So it, it feels good to be able to say there are other people who are just as intentional as we are and the collective group of us can help design an accreditation that people can be proud of and really want to go for it and actually do the work instead of another thing that could be seen as a rubber stamp checkbox and have no, no meaningfulness to the communities ever, uh, afterwards.
0: There is uh personal reward in leadership. Dr. Gregory, the uh, the interesting thing, and as we've said, uh, is that both of you come from health systems as opposed to our traditional folks we work with, which are plans and providers. And by the way, as you know, we're working with them on this equity issue as well. But it's I think Dr. Gregory, you can speak to this as uh, uh, such a huge system across a region, across several states, we're not even talking a region, you guys are big and you have, I presume, physician groups and you have hospitals and you have ancillary um, services. How do you get this, all of those things wrapped into this? Or how do you plan to, and are we helping with that? <laughs>
2: It's a great question, Matt. So I think um, the answer is different for different organizations. For us, it's really starting at the top. So there's a there's a commitment um, with our CEO, Carl Amato, um, in the space of diversity, inclusion, equity, and health equity is a huge part of that. And one of the things that I'll say is when I was first Put in this position, I was invited to be a part of the committee for safety and quality to the board, because we identified health equity as being a key leader to ensuring that quality and safety can happen for our patient populations. And so when you set it at the level uh, at the board of understanding that this is key work that must be done, and as my colleague said. All care is health equity. So there isn't health equity over here and then health care over here. We are providing health care, then all of it must be equitable. And even though it is a, a large enterprise, we have leaders across the enterprise really committed to health equity. One of the things that Um, As an example of that is we have long-term goals where our senior leadership team has a part of their compensation interconnected with our our goals to close gaps around particular uh, disparities that we identify. We just completed work um, looking at mammography disparities for patients that were less likely to get mammograms. And it isn't really about the the compensation. It's around the shared strategy and vision um, across the organization. I share that compensation is connected to it because it really does add that that extra layer of commitment. We believe so strongly that this is important and that we believe in our teams and the ability to be able to deliver on this, that we can commit at that level to being able to identify healthcare disparities and closing gaps.
0: It occurs to me that there's literal, literally reward in performance here in this case, right?
2: Yeah, and, think, and, you know, and the reward, and and I don't mean this to be kitschy. You know, the reward uh-huh. is knowing that, and I, and I, we just recently saw that our data, um, we achieved our goal. So for our two fastest growing patient populations, they were Asian women and Latinas. Um, and we were not achieving the number of mammograms that we wanted in the two fastest growing patient populations that we had. So to see that have a statistically significant difference and to know that uh, we identified uh, breast cancer earlier and made sure that people were well and safe by doing this work, that is the reward in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And we have health equity goals across our organization. Every one of our institutes has a goal that they have identified gap closure and it isn't connected to compensation in any way. It is just so much interwoven into what we do that we want to be sure that with each of our Institute partnerships, you know, this is an ocean to boil. So we're starting somewhere. Mm -hmm. So each of our institutes has at least one gap that they're looking at. Many of our institutes are really advanced in the space and have more than one gap. Um, that they are actively closing um, in in this work. Just the idea of being able to apply the real gaps lens to data. I meet colleagues across the country who have yet to been able to really get the ability to be able to look at their data and understand where their gaps are because they're not looking at their data by race and ethnicity and language, gender, age, payer source, but one of the things that I was the most proud of when we closed um, our surgery centers because of COVID, when we reopened, one of the things that we did is we applied the real gaps lens to that. So we did not just invite back the commercially insured patient uh, to, to, to get their, their surgery rescheduled. And we, the way that I know that is because we tracked it with the real gaps lens. Who have we included? Who have we left behind? And I feel like that's really a culture change strategy for us that is now so embedded into the work that we do, whether it's a financial reward or much more importantly, a health outcome reward. That's really been our mission and our focus.
0: Uh, in terms of, uh, I think most uh, healthcare care folks get in because their heart dragged them in.
1: Uh, Matt, can I you know, just add to that? Yeah, to help <laughs> others. Yeah yeah exactly, and I think that um there's this 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 sense of pride and urgency in getting this right um and so so that that is rewarding and right now, with all the 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 burnout as a result of the pandemic and the moral injury that's happened as a result of inactions and in you know personal choice and all those other things that have led to why the pandemic is still as raging as it is uh these are little wins for our teams. The, the ability to feel like they're still doing good. They're still working towards why they went into healthcare, which is to help people who are grateful and thankful. And the community, when they see these things, like it, you were talking about earlier, the, the mammography effort. We too had a mammography effort um, specifically around our American Indian, indigenous women population, uh, because it was it was very clear that we were missing the majority of them. And to have that one person get a mammogram that would have not ordinarily gotten one because the team went through our culturally responsive intervention that led to that. Yes, is such a huge impact for them. It keeps them wanting to come back the next day. So the the accreditation for health systems, I think, is so important because it's no longer making it feel like it's an abstract, you know, doesn't really touch people kind of thing. This is it is to show that you're truly touching people and making a difference at the bedside. And I think that that's where the power lies in being a health system trying to work with NCQA to do this and get this right. Is to, to truly show that you can take it from this abstract policy level down to the individual patient level and it'd be meaningful and our and our teams really need it they need the lens these days
0: and wasn't that sort of you t- you sort of referred to this earlier uh dr Cedarstrom? the um there were folks who just sort of threw up their hands and said we've always had that problem and i i i think the accreditation process and just the um sort of forced introspection um uh, right. adds a, a level of accountability for everyone in the organization and so i wonder dr gregory if that helps you across the organization to sort of know we have we have goals and we're going to be held accountable for them
2: absolutely you know one of the things that we're doing right now as part of our work with ncqa we're calling it the roadshow Um, So we're taking we're taking the show on the road across the enterprise. So it starts with the why. So why is this important? Why is the what? What is health equity? Why is this important? And then helping them to understand that the NCQA partnership that we have with the pilot is conversations like this with other experts, other people who are passionate about the work um, to be able to identify um, best practices to be able to share and exchange ideas. Um, we work in very different environments, and yet there's probably some things that are are able that we could use to inform the work that we do in completely different states. And then the work that we do at a very individual level, just being able to have those conversations with community members and partners. Um, how to prepare people to go out to have those conversations, the education that's needed to have people be able to make their way through and navigate the challenges of trust and mistrust um, in in the community setting. So when we take this show on the road, internally, we share all of those things. This is why this is important. And then what I love about it is because the framework is so comprehensive, everybody gets to see themselves in the work. So whether it's the DPS team, whether it's the education team, there's not a single team um, that is a part of our enterprise that can't see themselves in the work. And they don't just see themselves, but they have an important contribution to ensuring that we can advance health equity. So being able to share this NCQA experience across the enterprise has helped people who are not even patient-facing, non-clinical team members, now understand that their role is critical in helping our organization advance health equity. And that has been meaningful. We're just at the beginning of that roadshow. So it's you know more to come in that space.
0: Certainly a team of care is an NCQA uh, hallmark. We we uh, definitely appreciate that. Dr. Sederstrom, would you like to uh, talk about that as well, about the accountability for everyone in the organization and making sure everyone has a role or knows, yeah, so, their, role.
1: Or knows their role. Right. I think right. that, um, especially in this work, it's really easy to get people to bow out really fast. Uh, they hear how grandiose the problems are and they think that yeah, I can't do it. That's too much. It's too much. I, I There's no way it's going to change. I have no idea how to see myself in in making that change, so I'm just going to step aside and let someone who knows better or who they believe has the right degrees or whatever it is to, to try and do the work. And what we've pushed at Hennepin, which sounds very similar um, to what was just said, is that this is everyone's work. Uh, everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're the building manager or you're the head of surgery. This is everyone's work because it takes the entire building to take care of people. It's not just one part of it. The entire building is required. And so if you don't see yourself in it, we can show you how you can see yourself in it. If you think the problem is too big to tackle, we can give you the small little changes that need, that you can do and feel comfortable doing that lead to the big ripple effects. And it's, it's an opportunity to help people see that it is those small baby steps forward that actually make a difference. Instead of wanting some massive overhauling new cultural change that, you know, somebody creates it and we implement it and voila, it's all gone. That's not how this is going to work. This is over 400 years in the making. It's not going to change overnight or just because health equity now is a term that people understand. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort and a lot of small wins to start moving things forward. And the biggest of those smallest wins is just to get everybody to see that they too have a role to play. And that they can affect the change that is needed, and to have some pride in that, um, it it feels good knowing that you're making a difference. And if we don't help our team members, especially those who aren't di- directly patient facing, see how they are important to patients and their well-being and their outcomes, if we don't help them see that. Then they don't they won't get the same wonderful high that you can get from having someone tell you thank you at that level of like, like truly you saved my life kind of level. Thank you. If they don't see that and feel that um, then they're not going to be on board at the same level. And so our job is to help them with that. And and the toolkit makes that easy. It helps you to kind of see how to break it down into the various areas and how different departments and roles are responsible in the overarching picture of addressing health equity from a system level. Uh, and that helps to take the grandiosity out of it and make it bearable and easy to keep forward. Again, easy wins are, are necessary to move us forward. You Matt, one of
2: the things that I would what I would add to that is with the with the health equity plus accreditation, in addition to being able to help our team members see themselves in this framework. We now have the ability to help our community partners see themselves in this framework as well. So the way that accreditation is designed, it is to help us understand how we have community partnerships, how we connect with them, how that connects back and loops back to the to patients that have entrusted us with their care, how it reaches beyond um, those patients that have entrusted us with their care to communities who can't get to us and how do we um, work with communities that don't have access to care. So I love this um, design where the NCQA has a framework of diversity, inclusion, and equity and organizational readiness because you are not ready internally. You can't go out there and, and, and deliver on, on a promise. I'm an intensive care unit doctor by training. And when I'm in the ICU, I have all the tools. When I get out in the field or a parking lot, I mean, you, you, you have to have the skill set to, to work in a community, which is very different from when you're in a medical venue of care. So that connection between the foundational work of health equity accreditation and then to add the plus, where we now add the community voice and add the voice of community partners, and now everyone not only gets to see a role, but gets to see how those roles interconnect into the bigger picture of health equity, I think has been really striking as we're sharing uh, across the enterprise and with our community partners, what this NCQA endeavor has been about for us.
0: That's exciting. So Go ahead, doctor.
1: No, I was going to say, and I think to add on to that, what I found was also really amazing is it also made you feel like there is a level of accountability that you can now seek from those community partners. right? I feel like at some point there's this feeling that once they leave our walls of the hospital and we sort of hand them off to the community players, then we're kind of hands off until they come back. But this was an opportunity to not just say to the community players like, hey, this is a sandbox that we all need to play in together. But also, when we hand them off to you, we're not gone. Like, we expect some reciprocity with helping us better understand what maybe didn't work. Why did they fail their services? Is there something we missed on our part that will help to increase success in doing whatever services that you offer? And there's this like duality of accountability that wasn't there before that I really appreciate and I'm excited to to help our community players feel a little bit more like they're part of the team instead of these separate entities that just kind of get uh, refers and then you walk away.
0: It's very exciting to hear you both talk about how this, this objective goes beyond those automatic closing doors at the lobby of the hospital. I, I, I appreciate that. Let's uh and let's just uh, let all our uh, listeners know that we're going to, Chronicle uh, your all's progress as you earn accreditation, but I wanna, I wanna end with the issue of equity itself um, because this is your everyday, uh, for lack of a better word, bread and butter. Um, what scares you the most? What encourages you the most? We'll start with you, Dr. Gregory.
2: So I, what scares me the most is that you know, people always say it's like boiling the ocean. Well, it's all of the oceans, it's all of the water on the earth. It's not just an ocean um, to boil. This is, um, in my lifetime, it will be the hardest thing I do. I and mean, as an intensive care unit um, doctor, that's a lot. Um, as a neurointensivist, what scares me is we have to get this right. There's no more settling back on maybe we should, maybe it's a nice thing. This is the right thing to do. And as our communities become more diverse every day, if we haven't made ourselves ready to care for diverse populations of people, then the larger number of failures ahead of us continues to grow because our communities are not getting less diverse. They're getting more diverse. We must be able to provide culturally and linguistically sensitive care. We must be able to understand cultural humility. We must be able to understand where there are barriers and disparities and be innovative about addressing those. And we must have partnerships to be able to do it. There isn't, I don't think I'm over speaking to say that there probably is no health system anywhere that can do all of this um, by itself. And that's, that's complicated. Well, by by many things, and we need to get past those complexities um, and be able to make those partnerships deliver on a promise that I believe most of us in this work really want to see. What I'm inspired by is for the first time in my career, I have a lot more partners at the table. I think, you know, we we say around here, don't let a a pandemic go to waste. Um, And we, there have been a lot more people that have raised their hands to say, how can we help? I didn't know, or I knew, but I didn't know the severity of the problem until we were faced with with COVID. We have started, we have something called Novon Health Reads here, where we are reading as a team together. Typically we only read one book as a team. Um, We are reading five different books as a team that looks at social justice issues. So that people can understand that it's not just about what happens within the medical venue of care that sets the foundation for what happens with these disparities. They are historic. They are current. And as a team, we want to be able to understand better what the history and what our current role is in continuing to advance or fail to advance health equity. I'm excited that I belong to an organization that's willing to read those five books and that's willing to ask really hard questions around social injustices and how that connects back to health equity so that we can move forward with being able to ensure that we deliver on our mission statement and that we deliver on our vision in our community and that I have a long list of people who now wanna partner in that place and ask how to be a stakeholder in that place gives me hope um, that 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 ocean, ocean oceans, um, we can we're we we can start to boil it one ounce at a time. And we have people who are really willing to do it together.
1: Dr. Cederstrom. I I have very minimal to add to that because it's exactly the same concerns that I have. Um, My worry and fear is that people will think that it is, quote, okay to go back to normal when all this craziness is settled down and not use the opportunity to truly make lasting difference and lasting change. I, I worry that um, it will be another buzzword that people are trying to be politically correct and and causing people to feel that there's something wrong with them just because they don't get it. So my, my fears are mostly around our culture in the United States uh, and our ability to embrace the reality of how we got here and what needs to happen in order to move forward. Um, but because of all the things that have happened so far, right, this, is, this is the silver lining. And the thing that makes me the most hopeful is I have less fear that that's our tomorrow because I know so many people and so many different players that normally would not have been in this space that are very excited to be in the space and they're excited in a very cautious way, right? It's not like they're jumping all in. Let me just get it done. It's very much a a reckoning with the reality of just sheer ignorance of understanding how we got here, what the problems are, uh, and then just sort of this settling and knowing that they've got work to do and they're willing to start the steps that that like intentional self-reflectiveness that many people have shown who otherwise had no reason to ever show an interest in this space gives me hope that uh that we won't fall into sort of those doldrums and we will keep moving and, and and this wave won't fizzle out just because the pandemic gets under control or something else hits and it seems like That other stuff is just stuff that, you know, we can get back to later. Uh, I think that uh, we have, I mean, we've got book clubs in the middle of white suburbia Minnesota around how to be an anti-racist. I think that that's, that's in of itself a measure that the world is changing and trying to understand it a little better. And I'm excited that people are asking the right questions and trying to figure it out. The number one talk I've been given in the last year is on the history of racism in medicine, because I feel like we're starting to try and understand it better. Uh, and I think that that's the future of tomorrow. It's just knowledge and acceptance of truths and then using that to move us into a better space.
2: Matt, I, I'll add one other thing that I've loved about what has evolved over time. Um, so we often talk about, when we think about health equity, we often talk about race and ethnicity and gender. You know, so and typically when we talk about race and ethnicity, it's black and white. One of the things that I have seen evolve over time is that people are beginning to realize and COVID COVID hit the world economically um, and impacted lots of people, people who weren't always historically marginalized. And so now suddenly they're in a position of being um, in a place where they don't have resources. And so people are beginning to see that health equity is around a broader definition than race and ethnicity. It's around your background, your education, um, your sexual orientation and gender identity. I think that's one of the things that NCQA is also highlighting is that we want to be able to gather data about all populations of, of people and again, understand who we leave behind and who we move forward.
0: That's Hennepin's Chief Health Equity Officer, Dr. Neca Sederstrom, alongside Novon's Senior Vice President and Chief Health Equity Officer, Dr. Cherie Gregory. We uh, really appreciate both of them appearing today. Now our chat with Jennifer D'Alessandro, NCQA's Director of Education, catching us up on all things healthcare quality education. That includes, spoiler alert, a very big summit. First of all, I, some of our listeners may not be aware that NCQA offers education courses and that they can earn credit from them. If not, they can obtain a great deal of knowledge about improving healthcare, about uh, processes for improving healthcare, um, and all of the topics we discuss here on Inside Healthcare. There is a wealth of resources if you are interested in them.
3: So yeah, NCQA as an education department. Our goal is to educate health professionals about improving healthcare quality. Of course, through measurement, transparency and accountability what ncqa is all about to improve the quality of healthcare so the emphasis of of our courses are placed on the value to the healthcare organization to both the health plan level and the practice healthcare team level so we design our courses with those healthcare professionals in mind and a lot of folks don't know this is that we offer accreditation for many of our courses Credit is available for physicians, nurses, pharmacists, social workers, psychologists, and physician assistants. So NCQA is accredited by the joint accreditation. So uh, many of our courses are relevant for that healthcare team. Our activities are designed to assist our target audience to prepare for accreditation surveys, which really reflect practices that improve overall patient care and to improve care through our HEDIS measures. We also offer courses for our recognition customers, most especially our patient-centered medical home, those care teams that are constantly working to improve the quality of care for their patients and find opportunities to really extend reach and care to their patients.
0: You know, I uh, started this off by saying, you know, a lot of the things we discuss here, you discuss in your education courses. Run us down some topic list. You've, you've told us sort of who your audience is and what you want to do. Uh, give us a, a couple examples of what you think have been very popular or have turned out to be uh, very popular.
3: Absolutely. So most recently, NCQA introduced a new product called our Health Equity Accreditation. We held that course in December. We had about 350 customers join us for a sneak peek at that brand new product that was very well received. And the great thing about our courses, Matt, is that oftentimes we have our own internal subject matter experts, the architects of our products come and join us as faculty. So our learners are getting the inside look at how that product was developed a little bit about public comment and how it shaped the the product itself, how our standards committee helped direct the, the concepts and the intent behind the product. So that was wildly popular in December and NCQA has recruited pilot organizations to pursue that program with us. So we're excited. Quarter one of this year, we'll be featuring those pilot leaders that are incorporating equity as a strategic initiative, and we'll be putting a spotlight on them in quarter one and listening to why are they pursuing this program in equity, why is it so important to them, and how are they pursuing this journey? so that was really popular in december and i'm excited to share with you that we have some great courses coming up in january regarding equity measures and incentives to improve care and racial inequities we also have a course that ncqa has made a priority and that's person-driven outcomes incorporating a patient's priorities into their care plan You know, when a physician says, I want you to decrease your blood pressure or exercise more, but my mom wants to be able to sit on the floor and play with her grandkids. That's her goal. So we have a course this month on person-driven outcomes, which is really important for us as an organization to improve healthcare quality, to listen what the patient wants and ensure that we incorporate that into their care plan.
0: I also wanted to ask you about you said that what your faculty has a lot of insiders, you know, NCQA insiders. But the very cool thing that you all do is invite a lot of outsiders, too. So uh, what you're hearing is practical information, information you can use from folks you can identify with, folks that deal with the same issues you deal with. Correct.
3: That's absolutely right. And one of the things that COVID caused us to do in the last two years was not only teach on our products and services and programs, but really invite thought leaders, innovators in healthcare, and bring those voices to the NCQA education stage. So one of the Things. One of the series that we did in 2020 that we're continuing for a third year is our quality innovation series. That was wildly popular in 2020 we, when we couldn't meet in person for our seminars and conferences. We invited about 50 thought leaders, innovators from across the country to share their best practices, not only in the pivot of what COVID did to us, but how they were extending care to their patients. Telehealth, remote patient monitoring, extending outreach to patients in remote rural locations. So folks like United or Humana joined us to share how they were ensuring care continued despite the COVID. You know, folks were worried about going in to brick-and-mortar facilities and getting their care. But these organizations shifted quite quickly and ensured that their patients got the care that they needed. We were really, really thrilled to have organizations like Microsoft and Mass General, Blue Cross, Blue Shield organizations, even some government agencies like South Carolina Office of Rural Health, join us on our stage and share their best practices for ensuring that their patients were getting the care they needed. So that was our quality innovation series. We did that for a couple of years now. We're continuing that in the spring We just opened that for registration. We're offering about 20 courses from April through June, and folks can visit our website at ncqa.org forward slash QI series to learn more about that and to see the rock star innovators and improvers in healthcare that are joining us for this series this spring.
0: That series has really worked out well, hasn't it? And it's been so informative and involved so many people. We really appreciate it. And I think um, it became a necessity because of COVID, the remote nature of it. But it has turned out to be so enriching um, that it can continue even as COVID does and after. So absolutely. Congratulations yes. on that. Also, you can just go to the website ncqa.org and search QI series on the website and it'll get you there. So uh, look for that register uh, and and get in there. One more thing before we go, because we're running out of time. Jennifer, tell us about the big summit. That's big news.
3: It is, Matt, and we're very excited. We are hopeful that we can all see each other again, network again at an in-person summit with our colleagues, all of our customers, all of our key stakeholders. So please mark your calendars to come be with us in Washington, D.C. We'll only be a few blocks away from the NCQA office in downtown Washington at the Marriott Marquis, October 31 through November 3rd. This is our brand new Health Innovation Summit. So this is where we are teaching on all of these key themes that are happening throughout COVID going into the healthcare quality landscape beyond. So alternative care delivery, how are we still extending that care beyond to our patients? Digital, everything is going digital, including NCQA, all of our measures and all of our initiatives as digital. Healing, a big portion of that summit will be part of our, how are we recovering from all of this? Our resiliency to get through COVID, keep taking care of one another and our patients, healing and resiliency will be a big piece of that equity, of course, to illuminate and elevate the issues of healthcare equity and ensure that our patients get the appropriate care that they need. And then last but not least, agitators in healthcare, the folks that are doing the different things, flipping the script, the artificial intelligence, the autobots, the natural language processing, the cool stuff that's on the cutting edge, the horizon. We're inviting folks to submit abstracts with us. We'll open open the call for Abstracts this month. We invite folks to come share what they're doing to improve care for our patients. We'll give you a spot on the stage, and and we'd love to see you in Washington at our Health Innovation Summit again October 31 through November 3rd.
0: So save that date. I think you have a URL to share there. I do. I do.
3: It's ncqasummit.com forward slash save the date.
0: There you have it. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us on Inside Healthcare. We're gonna have you back later in the year to tell us a little more. And uh, we appreciate that you're starting the year on the right foot. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Matt. Happy New Year to you and to everyone listening.
0: That's NCQA Education Director, Jennifer D'Alessandro, psyching us all up for new events this year in 2022. Always something going on here at NCQA. A reminder, though, that even as you sign up for the new quality innovation series courses starting in May, the sessions from last year remain online. Find out more about how you can see them by visiting our website, ncqa.org. The registration information can be found right in the middle of the homepage. You can't miss it, but if you do, Just put Quality Innovation Series in that search box at the top right corner of our homepage. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for Inside Healthcare, just email us anytime at communications.ncqa.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts, what you've learned, what you've shared with colleagues or patients, and of course, any guest recommendations. So that wraps it up for this edition of inside healthcare on behalf of producer Dave Smolar and the entire inside healthcare team. We wish you good health. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again. No doubt. You've been listening to inside healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA the national committee for quality assurance inside healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.